What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am James Grande, and I am joined by Matt Sells. And guys, I don't know if you can believe this or not, but if you didn't realize Colby Conway not here, Matt, guy is back in Italy again. All he does is, like, I don't even know if he works anymore. Like, he just takes trips to Italy whenever he wants. Um, so, Colby, I hope, you know... After your your uh, next glass of red wine, I hope you're doing good out there in Italy. Um, uh, but Matt, since Kobe's just you know too good to join us these days, how you doing, man? I'm good. I mean, I guess we're mistaking Philly for Italy, <laughs> but <laughs> but it might be a tough one to to mistake. Uh, entertainingly, though, our colleague Ryan Hallam did just get back from a nice vacay, sure. a lovely vacay, uh, which you very much liked that he got back because then less projection work for you there <laughs> sir um i'm good speaking of vacays i'm going on vacay at the end of yeah. the week yeah. so this is this is pretty nice gonna go see some family for the fourth of july um so yeah you know but, but aside from my nationals being absolutely god-awful terrible um it's a pretty good it's it, it's going pretty well well uh big fourth to the uh to the south family of course give them my uh Give them my shout-out. You show on this podcast to be like, oh, that guy uh, gave me a, a shout-out. Actually, they won't even see it because the the uh, video on this won't be uh, live on the site. <laughs> Anyways, um, let's get into the week's news and notes. And good thing we're recording this evening, Matt. Uh, it is Monday evening. Um, we got word that there was a fracture to Bryce Harper's um, thumb. We weren't sure what the what he was going to do, um, but it reportedly it looks like he is going to get surgery. Um, and it looks like he's not going to miss the entire year, is I guess what the report is saying, um, but they're indicating it's going to be at least two months. So what are we doing with Bryce Harper, um, Matt? Or is it something that you're okay with just outright dropping? Or, I mean, like... I mean, two plus months. We're at the end of we're at the end of June here, right? Um, so here's the thing. Obviously, if you're in a keeper league or dynasty, you're clearly not dropping yeah. Bryce Harper, right? Yeah, please clearly drop clearly not. Those Jason things, Stark. Please. Yeah, please uh, two two nights ago, Jason Stark had a great tweet out about um, Bryce Harper's last 162 games coming into uh, the night in which he broke his thumb. And he's slashing like 324 with 42 homers, 55 doubles, 17 steals, and he's reached base 290 times. Like, that's <laughs> – he's he's ridiculous. So, in keepers and dynasties, clearly this point is mute. But in redrafts, I'm dropping him. Yeah. Um, I'm dropping think... Look, he had the UCL thing, right? right. So, he's been precluded from playing right. the field for much of the last that's month fair. to begin with. It hasn't really affected his swing. But even when he comes back, dude's coming back from thumb surgery. He's not going to be able to grip the bat quite as well. Um, Like, I'll go back to 2019. I was reminded of this. I was watching a YouTube video of um, Trey Turner going back to D.C. earlier this year when the Dodgers played in D.C. 2019, at the beginning of the year, Trey Turner broke his pinky on a bunt attempt. The rest of the year, he came back, and everybody's like, well, where's his power, and where's, like, you know, he kind of struggled offensively because he couldn't fully grip the bat 
the right way. And, you know, it, it's just going to sap him of some, of, of some offensive numbers. Plus, right. if he comes back in September, Phillies are likely to be out of the playoff chase at that point. So I'll, I'm going to drop him in redraft leagues. Yeah, uh, I definitely think it's tough to drop someone like that. I think the only way you're not honestly dropping him is if you have the availability in your IL, uh, because, you know, so until you need the spot, right? And essentially, like if there's availability and you have, you don't have a lot of injuries, you've been lucky, um, keep him. But if you need the spot, like you need the spot. If he's missing, this is, and we're talking about two months at minimum. Right, like that might like. What if it's a not a good recovery, and what if it's like also it was six weeks before the surgery. Right, right. Um, They're just they are reporting eight plus weeks. So and again, at least two months. So um, it's just it's not a good look for Bryce Harper and his owner. So uh, again, there's no replacement for Bryce Harper in your fantasy. Like we're not going to suggest you're not getting that production. you know, if you need to go make a trade, go make a trade. That's how. You, that's, that's essentially how uh, you're going to replace the production. You're not going to find that in the waiver wire. So, uh, by I the way, I wouldn't be shocked if he goes under the knife for the UCL thing too. Yeah, which yeah, is not as bad for fielders as it is for pitchers. Like a UCL right. for a fielder is like six months, right? Because right? we saw Walker Bueller, who's down, didn't need surgery, but still went under the knife to go clean up some bone spurs because right. he was like, I'm going to be out for like three months anyway. So may as well go get cleaned up. So it's possible that he decides, hey, now is a pretty decent time to go fix this so it's not a lingering issue, right? Yeah, I wonder I wonder if that's how he approached I think it's I think you're right. I think or I think you could be right and I think he might delay it and see where he is a couple months down the road with the thumb cuz maybe the Phillies have turned it around, maybe they're in playoff contention, and maybe he's Adrian Peterson and comes back from an ACL tear in six months. Who knows? Uh, but uh, it does stink for Bryce Harper and all of his owners. Um, let's move on to Ronald Acuna, uh, who has uh, been in the news for a foul ball, Matt, off the uh, the old foot there. And I guess um, the one concerning thing is after the game, uh, this was Saturday night's game, Ronald Acuna went under test. There was no fracture. Um, but he was riding around on a scooter and he couldn't put any weight on his foot. And the quote that Acuna, um, through a translator, put out to the Associated Press was, quote, I'd say that that's one thing that has me a little worried, but we'll see how it goes. Um, that's in, in um, because he couldn't put any weight on it. Uh, the manager said, Brian Snicker, said he didn't seem concerned. He said it was more of a bruise. But I guess it's, uh, you know, I guess I pose the question to you, like, <laughs> Snicker isn't also the one feeling the pain. Um, so, like, what is your level? Right. I guess what's your, like, and we're going to do a level of concern segment later in the show, but, like, what is your concern with Acuna's injury, considering, you know, not exactly a clean medical history thus far for Acuna? Yeah, obviously he's fresh off coming back of a torn ACL. Right, and he's right. looked he's looked good coming back. He has, from, he has looked good. There's there is no doubt that he has looked good. Looks a hundred percent. ACLs are fairly common to come back from now. My concern would be a bone bruise, right? So like 
you won't see a fracture, but you could see a bone bruise. Now, the best case scenario is it's a soft tissue bruise, and it's just a level of pain management. And hey, maybe we'll just hop him up on some like ibuprofen, maybe something a little stronger, and he goes out there and plays. Bone bruises, though, just go ask Brett Gardner, man. Those things can linger. Yep. Right. Brett Gardner got a bone bruise running into a wall in the playoffs, and for like two years, man, that thing lingered in his knee. <laughs> um, now. It's Brett Gardner, guy's a little different than Ronald Acuna. Right. Um, but if it's a bone bruise, it could linger, and it still comes down to pain management. But if right. you're a guy that steals are a major part of your game, are you really going to be comfortable ramping it up to steal bases on a foot that hurts? I mean, you equate it to, like, plantar fasciitis for football, right? Guys sit because they mm-hmm. can't cut because it hurts. And I can attest to you, it hurts. I have plantar fasciitis <laughs> bouts. It hurts. It feels like you're walking on the bones of your feet. Um, so that would be my concern, right? Is that even if he plays, is he at 100% or are you missing right. out on about half of what you got him for? Right. Um, I agree. Um, if he's not running, he's obviously not as valuable. I think he can be quite valuable with just the bat. Um, yeah, he, I mean, we're still talking about a 40 home run. Right, bat, right, right. right. <laughs> But but he is not the potential 101 that he could be. Because Ronald Acuna at, at his peak is probably the best fantasy producer in the game. Him and right. Tatis, right? It's like when they're at everyone full strength, I mean... Um, and let's also not forget that him stealing bags helps run production elsewhere right. in that lineup, right? Agreed. So... I'm not that concerned about it because to me it's more of a pain management thing. Maybe he gets a day or two off. Um, but if he's a little hesitant on the on stealing the bags and you know whatnot, then that's definitely a little bit of a downgrade for him going forward. Matt, we have a call up, and it was yep. due to a trade uh, today. The Kansas City Royals dealt Carlos Santana. They sent him out to rainy Seattle. Um, for two prospects, I believe, right? One is in uh, one is an A ball. Um, two people that we don't have to worry about this year. Um, they yeah, a couple probably, of pitching prospects, I believe. Yeah, they they will probably maybe maybe one day make the uh make the cut on Matt Sell's prospect report. Yeah, we'll, we'll you know maybe one day. Um, but uh, there you know shout out to Carlos Santana who had been playing well. The last about two weeks, so you know, good to see. Yeah, him. ever yeah. since I wrote, he could be replaced in late May by Vinny Pasquitino. <laughs> oh wait, he, he did you? It up. Well, a little, a little. We're and Vinny Pasquitino happens to be the guy getting called up. Uh, Matt, take us through Pasquitino, um, his kind of his profile, and 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 the uh, and your thoughts with what his actual value. Um, could be in redraft. Let's just stick with redraft specifically because I think okay. people who people who are playing He's dynasty likely already owned in keeper and dynasty. Right. Yeah. P- yeah. Right. Just let's just stick with dynasty value um, after you after your profile. Yeah. So if you go ahead and check out fantasyalarm.com, I wrote a, uh, a Vinny Pasquitino specific special prospect report on Monday. That's up there. Don't worry. I'll have the full prospect report out Wednesday, like I normally do. Um, and in there, I hearkened back to the, you know, I wrote about him in late May because I updated my top 300 prospects, and 
he was one of the biggest risers because the guy has just putting been putting on a show for about the last year and a half. Where did he max? Where did he max out at before his call up? Do you know where did you uh, did you have him like top fifty? Did you have let him? Let me top see. 100? I will pull that if you give me just a second. I will be able to pull Cause up because the, the power the power looks. I mean, oh, the power is shit. It's it's like easy serious, sixty grade right? power. Okay. Um, he's hit, I believe it's 18 homers in like 42 games at AAA uh, this year. So that's that's pretty good. Vinny Pasquitino, <laughs> let's see, where did I have him? I had him 44th Ooh, in the Okay, okay. Prior to that, he was 137th. So he was a pretty big Holy riser. cow. That's actually almost 100 spots, huh? That's crazy. So yeah, he, just... he moved. Pretty pretty big time. Um, but it's not just the power, though, right? Power is a thing that we talk about that, like, everybody has now, right. right? So why is he so special? Well, he that power comes with a very high uh, batting average and an even better on-base percentage, by the way. If you're in an OBP league, Pasquatino has more value in an OBP league than he does in an average league. Um, because for the last two years in the minors, he has had a higher walk rate than a strikeout rate for the last that's, two combined years. Uh, so he's a little bit of a late bloomer. The reason why he wasn't on everybody's radar is he was a late bloomer. He kind of fell a little bit in the draft um, due to, like, you know, teams play games with their value and their slots and how much they can pay a guy. Um, but ever since he's been drafted, all the dude has done is hit at every single level. He's got a very good command of the strike zone. And he's not a liability at first base defensively either. So he can play first base. He can be DH. He's going to get basically all of the bats there that they uh, so deem, depending on what they do with Hunter Dozier at first base. Um, but, yeah, the guy – look, starting next year, I think there's real possibility that Pasquatino could be a top five first, first baseman in fantasy. Ooh, that but is – And power is, is that – is that solid? Like, there's not a whole lot of projection left to him. Okay. But what you see now, 280 average and 35-plus homers at first base, who's not going to take that? Right. Um, like, where – okay, how about this? Let me ask you uh, a follow-up question. Uh, rest of season, where would you rank him um, for, for redraft uh, at first base? Uh, top I'm just looking. I at would probably base. put him. I would probably put him top ten. There, a, a colleague, or you know, a colleague in the in the industry of ours, uh, Vlad Sedler, put out a tweet earlier that I that I tend to agree with in terms of who you can drop. And he said, um, in redrafts, you can drop Hosmer, Muncie, Naylor, Cooper, Guriel, and potentially. Mancini, Votto, Belt, Ooh, that's and Voigt. Potentially, that is very high praise. Potentially, look, this guy, he has an advanced, that. you know, <laughs> an advanced eye, advanced yeah. bat to ball skills. Right. Um. And yes, is he playing in a park that has the most square footage in the outfield in the majors? Sure. Guy's got power. There's not that that park's not going to hold it. Okay. okay. So, um, I mean, Omaha, I've been to the Royals AAA affiliate stadium as well, and it's not exactly the most 
hitter-friendly park right. in the International League. And like I said, he's got 18 bombs in 42 games at AAA this year. So he's so good that MLB Pipeline has Nick Prado as the Royals' number one prospect, also at first base, and Pasquatino is a better bat than Prado. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, look, any player, anytime you hear the prospect guru tell you that this guy could be a top 10 first baseman in redraft for the rest of the season, it is a and top must, five next must pickup for the remainder of the year, Vinny Pasquatino. So, um, good stuff, Matt. That, that's awesome. And again, fantasyalarm.com. Go check out Matt's article specific to. Vinny Pasquatino, um, and and what he brings to the table for us in fantasy. Um, great stuff there, Matt. Uh, we got a couple uh, guys headed to the IL. Um, Brandon Crawford of the San Francisco Giants headed to the IL. Um, he has a some left knee inflammation that's retroactive to June fifteenth or June twenty fifth, rather. Jack Flaherty, just the guy just, I mean, I, I don't know what to say anymore. He just can't stay healthy. Um, you got to feel bad for him, but he's back in the IL. He pitched two innings against the Cubs the other day. And Hunter Renfro, um, not the Clemson wide receiver, but the Brewers outfielder, um, despite having a really good year. I think this is his second, maybe third trip to the IL, Matt, this year. Um, it's been a tough season for for Renfro. Um what are your thoughts on all three of those guys? I mean, are you worried about one more than the other? I I, I would say red flag city, Jack Flaherty, going back to the IL. Yes. Red this flag city. Definitely. Well, did, is this technically his second time on the I mean, IL? He, yeah, he spent the whole season. I mean, he started yeah, it. Not, yeah. Right, he didn't come back to like the middle of June and then lasted for Two innings. Dude, and it's, a shoulder, it's a shoulder. Oh, dude, Which it's, is what kept him out since oh, last year, too. And shoulders are death nails for pitchers right now. Like, yeah, it's bad. It's just crazy to me how they couldn't figure out elbows and shoulders were fine. And then it flipped where, like, elbows are fine, but shoulders they can't figure <laughs> out. Like, um, But speaking of Renfro, who may have gone on the I.L. for the third time this year, Brandon Crawford's only gone on the I.L. for three times in his entire career. So we're not worried. Um, so we're not worried. No, we also heard from there was some reporting on it that it was basically kind of a mutual decision. Brandon Crawford wasn't really leaning towards the IL, but then they were like, "Well, maybe a few days off, your feet might help you because it's not like you're going to play that much with right. knee inflammation anyway." So right. I'm not that concerned. The guy's just a, a you know, I mean, he is what he is at this point, right? It's right. not like. Well, he has had like a couple. He's had a couple like random outlier offensive seasons lately. Yeah, um, like what the he was last year. He went like toe to toe with Brandon Belt for. Yeah, like, it was really weird. Know. It was very weird. Where the hell they won 107 games when nobody saw that coming? Yeah, sure. Um. So yeah, I would say I'm I'm least concerned about Brandon Crawford. I'm kind of in the middle there on Hunter Renfro. Just because the guy just keeps getting injured and comes back and hits bombs. And Flaherty, man. Are you dropping him? Outright dropping? Like, is there, like, any way we can hold on to Jack Flaherty at this point? His quote was, I hope to be able to pitch again this year. 
That's, or did he say, I promised to pitch again? I don't know. Uh, he's, One he's, of the two. You're done. But you're, like, if he says that, you're done. I mean, we're... we're yeah, I'm not... I mean, the cards are in are in it, kind of, in that division, but everybody's in it in that division. So, um, I don't know. I, I would drop them. <laughs> Let somebody else deal with them. Certainly in a 10-teamer, you're definitely dropping them. In a 14, I don't know. I might wait it out and see what the heck they say. But um, We had another trade. We've had two trades this week. Um, this one, I think, is of significantly lesser significance of the than the Carlos Santana trade um but uh the San Francisco Giants traded Steven Duggar to the Texas Rangers for Willie Calhoun um I guess this question I guess the only question I have because I don't think Steven Duggar has quite literally a single ounce of fantasy value no but there are definitely multiple people still out there um, that are probably holding on hope to Willie Calhoun. Um, it, does this, I mean, the Giants just have so many outfield. I don't even want to, like, ask the question, but, like, does the fresh start in San Fran do anything for Willie Calhoun? Like, say, I wear, no, no. isn't no this his, his third fresh start, though? Like, yeah, he's that. I, mean, I mean, the only thing is all the fresh starts have been with Texas, right? I mean, they, it was like he has, like, a fresh start. No, no, wasn't he with the Dodgers originally? Thought he was with the Dodgers originally. Um, maybe, but I feel like he's just getting. I mean, maybe I'm just like blanking on that. Like part. it was a trade, like several, like we're talking like several years ago now. He's, I thought he was uh, with 2017. The he's been with Texas since 2017, but he's always in the minors. Oh yeah, I guess yeah. He traded so 2017. He was traded from the Dodgers to the Rangers. Yeah, well, I think it was for like a pitcher or some uh, some key t- deadline deal that the Dodgers thought they needed. Willie um, Calhoun. Oh yes, Matt, you are correct. It was the U Darvish trade. Ah, uh, um, there you it go. Was, uh, so I guess my question is, well, okay, so that wasn't technically a fresh start. That was Texas <laughs> hoping Willie Calhoun was going to be who they thought Willie. Calhoun yeah, a top of the order bat. Okay, so he's wanted. 27 years old. He, he's still not 30. That's ridiculous. <laughs> he's not even, like, this. he's literally in his physical prime. He has never played more than 83 games in a season. Does this, does this trade, I mean, we don't even have to spend another 30 seconds on it. Does this trade matter in fantasy? Not, I, no. No, I mean. Does it matter for Willie Calhoun at all? Maybe. We'll have to see. Wait and see. Not available. Take Maybe. It. I mean, it certainly hurts him power-wise for whatever power he yeah. did yeah. previously show. But extra base, if you're like in a points league with extra base hits, this may help him because there's some serious extra base hits and triple alleys in San Fran. But like, it's... <laughs> look. He's... A super broke-ass version of Byron Buxton. Yeah, but without... Like, Byron Buxton has more home runs this year than Willie Calhoun has in, like, since 2017. So. I said super broke-ass version, man. <laughs> okay, like, okay. So you super broke-ass is fair. Okay. Um, <laughs> not even poor man's, just like... Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's move on from Willie Calhoun. Um, and let's just, you know, bow down to the great Shohei Otani, who has just... 
it just continues to just do things that nobody else can or will not do. Um, on back-to-back nights, a two, a just a historic game at the plate, historic game on the mound. Uh, I saw. It's funny how there's always the Babe Ruth comparisons, and I get it, but like he had more RBIs in one night than Babe Ruth ever had in a game, and then had more strikeouts than Babe Ruth ever had in a game. Um, and he did it in a back-to-back night. So just we just wanted to show and appre- show some love to show. Yeah, there's hey. there's literally only there's one other pitcher in the entire history of baseball that produced one other player, I should say, that produced an eight plus RBI game and a thirteen plus strikeout game at any point in their careers. Let alone back-to-back nights in their entire career. And it's not Babe Ruth. No, it's – I'm blanking on his name. But the guy also is tied with Mad Bum for the only pitcher ever to have two grand slams in a season. Is it Carlos Zambrano? No, it's like a guy from like the 1920s. I feel like Carlos Zambrano was like always the the pitcher hitting the home run. Yeah. But this guy hit two grand slams in the same game, which is why he got eight RBI in that okay. game. Um, but Shohei, I mean, it's – and then the sound of the ball leaving his bat on that 462-foot bomb is oh, insane. Yeah. It's it, – like, it's just ridiculous. We, we are not worthy. We are not it's, worthy. J- what that man is doing on a baseball field is just un. Believable and and Rich Eisen's produ- I was watching the Rich Eisen show the other day. Rich Eisen's producer asked, "What's more impressive, uh, Johnny Vandermeer's back-to-back no hitters or what Shohei did in back-to-back nights?" <laughs> like, I mean, it's a good question. I would still go with the no hitters, but like, it's closer than you think it is. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I, he's he's just Edge. He's yeah ridiculous. he's ridiculous. Um, final news and note I think on the of the week we have uh, at least we're covering here is a situation at the end of the New York Yankees bullpen as we near a return of the flamethrower once flamethrower now just everyone throws hard. Um, Araldis Chapman who is nearing a return, um, and it was in the news. Uh, that there is potential that there will be two ninth-inning guys for the Yankees in Chapman and Clay Holmes. And Clay Holmes has definitely been the better of the two. Uh, and I don't, that's not even a debate, not even close. Um, but Aaron Boone pretty much said that he's going to use Holmes in the more high-leverage spots, whether that is the eighth inning or the ninth inning. So... I guess my question to you, Matt, is what should we be doing with A, Clay Holmes, and B, Araldis Chapman? Like, how should we approach this situation? Because this isn't the first closer committee that we've had that we've had to approach, but this is more unique because the Yankees are really good, obviously. I mean, they are quite literally the best team in baseball. They are going to have a lot of high leverage situations. Um, like, how should we approach? Because I know, I know there were probably people, a lot of people heading into the year relying on Chapman for saves, and then a lot of people picked up Clay Holmes. Like, holy cow, this just fell into my lap. Like, how should we be approaching 
um, these two guys because they're both going to have opportunities. So if you're in a saves only league, I still think you got to hold both of them. Yeah. Right? I think they're both valuable um, for strikeouts, for ratio help, for save chances. I think they're both valuable. Would I say that Clay Holmes? I still think Clay Holmes winds up with more saves the rest of the year than than Aroldis Chapman. I mean, like, dude, how there was not... talk in spring training that they were going to move Chapman to the eighth inning, going yep. like Correct. starting this year and going forward because they want to save his arm for as long as possible. Um, so and Clay Holmes has been out of his mind. Good, out of his mind. Like, two earned two earned runs in thirty four and two thirds innings. Like that's insane. <laughs> two. two. It's like two runs got- in thirty-three appearance. Matt, he has faced one hundred and twenty-nine batters, and two have crossed home plate. We're we're getting to like Mariano Rivera ridiculous facts territory here with Clay Holmes. Nobody can hit the sinker, man. It's just like, nobody can hit it. So I would still hold both, no matter what your league format is. To be honest, because they're both going to get safe chances. They're both getting strikeouts. They're both. Good ratio help. Yes, Clay Holmes is better. Um, <laughs> so I would, I would, and to be honest, with the way that Aaron Boone historically uses the bullpen, nobody pitches more than like two days in a row. Yeah. If they're in tight games the rest of the way, which, you know, the AL East is kind of heating up, you got to watch yeah. out for Baltimore, man. Sure. They're heating up. Sure. Um, there's a reasonable shot that they go like six save opportunities in a week and you're going to get half of them are going to go to Holmes and half of them are going to go to Chapman just the way that Boone uses his bullpen. But all right. By the way, this... my favorite my favorite random mo fact is that more guys have walked on the moon than have scored against Rivera in the postseason. That is absolutely the best trivia question ever created. I think there's like uh, nine people that walked on the moon and only eight scored against Mo <laughs> in the post. That is actually just unfair. Um, <laughs> all right, let's rapid fire this. So Clay Holmes has 12 saves. Aralis Chapman has nine. I'm going to just shoot you over-unders. You're just going to tell me over-under. Over-under uh, – 15 saves by year's end for Raldis Chapman. He has nine currently. Over. 20. Under. Clay Holmes, over 15. He has 12. Over. Over 20. Over. Over 25. Under. Well, over 20 for one, under 20 for the other. You just heard who's the more valuable uh, asset of the two. Uh, If you had to make a decision... Um, I too would lean Clay Holmes. If if you had both and you there's you have to cut ties with somebody. I mean, I, why would you? But like, if there was a roster decision that had to be made, um, I think Clay Holmes is the is the keeper there. Um, let's head yeah. into a little do 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 buy or sell here, Matt. That was my uh, sound effect attempt. Um, I don't know if it will go over with the public. We'll have to ask Home Run uh, in Discord um, Tuesday morning, but. Uh, let's do a little by ourselves with uh, Padres uh, catcher slash random outfielder with great hair, uh, Jorge Alfaro. Um, has been pretty good this year. Um, I think the power has been probably the most surprising thing, especially recently. 
Um, we're at six home runs. He, you know, a 479 slug is just incredibly interesting to see. We have seen him in Miami hit 18 home runs in 130 games back in 2019. Um, but he's getting the opportunity be, mainly because Austin Nola had not been doing anything offensively. Um, so I got to ask, Matt, are you buying or selling this version of Jorge Alfaro? I will buy it. Oh. I will buy it. Look, there's a reason he was included in a blockbuster deal between the Phillies and the Marlins. Um, guy has pretty good bat skills. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, catchers usually take a little while longer to mature in sure. the offensive department. It's not every day where you get, um, you know, these guys like Real Muto and, and Yachty and, and even Will, Adley, and Will, who, yes. Will Smith. Will Smith. Will Smith and Wilson Contreras, right? Right. So, like, it's not every day you get these. There's a reason why those are the top five catchers in baseball, right? Um, So, and look, they're looking to get Fernando Tatis back. Not that that long from now. So, there's some help coming there. Machado, when he's 100% again, has been very good. So, there's some help there. Um, And they could still add at the trade deadline. They still have pieces that they can trade and get get help which is insane so i will buy jorge alfaro yeah uh just for context in june um after not cracking a 700 ops in march april or may uh 945 ops for alfaro in uh june the strikeout rate significantly down hitting over 300 403 woba uh everything trending in the right direction uh for alfaro next up in our buy or sell segment, we have Edward Olivares uh, of the Kansas City Royals. And every year since, let's see, he has been, uh, he has made it to the majors every year since 2020. So for three straight years, uh, there are multiple tweets every year when he finally cracks the lineup, uh, first for the Padres, now for the Royals, of just pure excitement. And I asked you before we got on air uh, what your thoughts were. And you didn't, uh, you, were, you didn't. There weren't many nice things to say. Um, so, with that being said, uh, are you buying or selling Edward Olives? That's what I'm going to go with here. Uh, I don't want Oliveira. I already killed the pronunciation one. So, we're going to go with Edward Olives. Uh, Edward Olives, buy or sell. Has, Matt, has been good. Uh, 18 games this year, uh, age 26 season. Uh, two home runs, seven runs scored, six RBIs. The two stolen bases, also nice. 356 average, 420 Woba, um, and 420 expected Woba. What are your thoughts on Edward Olives uh, buying or selling here? <laughs> um, to me, Edward Olivares is a jag, just a guy. Yep. Right? Like, I, I don't know. The Royals feel like they've got 17 outfielders who are just dudes. They, they do. And, you know, Kyle Isbell is one of these guys that everybody thought was going to come up they had another prospect that like took so long in the minors everybody forgot he was still a prospect because they drafted him out of high school um there's just for whatever reason the royals have not been able to hit on outfielders right that's why they had to trade for andrew benatendi because they can't grow their own in the farm system um so he if somebody wants to give you something for all of <laughs> believing that 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 oh he's coming into his power peak because he's 26 right then take it right right like, 
I'm going to ride the wave as long as I can, but I'm not, like, buying what he's doing. Okay. Um, can I give you a hot take here? Yeah. Uh, former Nationals great Michael A. Taylor has been the best outfielder for the Kansas City Royals. You know what? I have had a soft spot for Michael A. Taylor for a while now. <laughs> and to be honest with you, I would take Michael A. over Victor Robles. I would absolutely <laughs> do it. Look back in the year that Michael A. got full-time starter in D.C., he basically went 20-20. I'm just starting played, out there. Played nearly gold-glove defense. So I'm like, what is Victor Robles giving us that Michael A. didn't? And you're paying Robles a whole lot more to go get, like, yoked in the freaking gym and then act like a doofus on the field with his base <laughs> running and terrible defense. Um, but yeah, I uh, just throw it out there because I know you. I know you'd I have my delay on my dynasty league. Thank you very much. So I, I, I know you'd appreciate that. <laughs> I'm fully invested in Michael A. I, uh, I have a soft spot for that. Hitting guy. 330 in June. Uh, just throw out there. And in case you guys want to know why I pivoted to, to Michael A. Taylor, that's because I'm also selling Edward Olives. Uh, you guys can all chase him if you want. Uh, me and Matt will. Uh, we'll, we're sellers. So if you guys want to come by and uh you know what i need a new trash can for my office i will take that in a trade <laughs> oh, for... oh sheesh uh um, but that's an affront to rollos so <laughs> let's move on to someone who is not a trash can or is he um and is just completely just maybe the fastest human on earth i don't know is he usain bolt i don't know um is this uh, let's just let's i'm gonna pose this question first is john birdie yes or no matt is john birdie Usain Bolt in cleats. Um, he might be, but what are the <laughs> shoes? What are the shoes they used in uh, the Sandlot? Right? Did John Birdie get him a pair of those? Oh, true. Uh, the PF Flyers. Is that yeah, there you are? go. There you go. Uh, yeah, he's got himself a pair of uh, a pair of PF Flyers. I think. Well, in 40, he's ridiculous. He stole like eighteen bags. In this month, right? Just this yeah. bag? Uh, I think it's just in June. He's stolen 18 so, bag. Let's look at the split. So in 43 games, he has 21 steals. In June, um, he has played 23 games. He has 17 stolen bases. Yep. He is also hitting 326 in June after uh, a 194 May. So, Matt, I mean... It, it's up look i'm i'm buying right now <laughs> okay okay like i'm not throwing like a stud out there to go get john birdie right it's got to be common sense what to... well, what is the well i think this is one of the tougher buyer sells because what is the value of john birdie he has 17 stolen bases in a month yeah, that's the he value Ricky, of John Birdie. This is like, when have we seen that? Ricky Henderson? Billy Hamilton? Uh, did Billy Hamilton play enough baseball to, to register 17 in a month? Like, I mean, he I, probably I, didn't get on base 17 times in a month ever. I mean, yeah. That. I'm, just, I'm, just, I, like, I'm just, I don't know. It's very hard, funny enough, Billy Hamilton in the minor leagues for the Miami Marlins, just throwing that out there. Yeah, by what the is, way, that's the first time I realized that today. Um, <laughs> what is the value of John Birdie right now? Like, in June, he is, like, one of the more valuable assets 
in fantasy? Is that correct? 320 yeah. average. I mean, Fangraphs has his offensive war at 11 right now. This so, year. what? Like, I, I'm not asking for a player. Like, that's too hard to, like, pinpoint a player. But, like, seriously, like, there is no, like, you, if you are, look, if you are buying John Birdie, it is not cheap. But if you're selling John Birdie, like, if, if you're a John Birdie owner, okay? Yeah. And I come to you, you want the kitchen sink because the ratios are out of control. They are out of control. If you're going to tell me, and I don't, again, I don't think John Birdie is a 300 hitter. He has not been a 300 hitter. He has no. never hit better than In 273. So, John Birdie also has a 396 Babbitt this year, Matt. So, like, yeah. there has been, but you know what? Some players get lucky. And if this is the guy getting lucky, that's uh, great for him. He's also got so, a ridiculous 138 WRC plus. Right. But, like, so if I come to you, right, let's just play this scenario out. I'm coming to you. You're the John Birdie owner. And I say I want John Birdie. There is there is no shot that you're not looking at what he's doing now and not asking for the kitchen sink. There's just no shot. That is why I, if I'm a John Birdie owner, and I get it, like, you probably don't want to sell John Birdie right now. But... <laughs> I'm also, I'm also perfectly okay with fielding offers for John Birdie, because like a 400 BABIP, he is not going to be that lucky for the entire. That is like extreme luck in his in his court. And again, even if he's half this good, he still can have like double digit stolen base months, and and that's awesome. But right now, if I'm – oh, my God, I will – Well, so here's here's my question, though, okay. about that. I don't need him – To be this. To hit. Yeah. <laughs> I just need him to get on base. Oh, I, I, I know. And he's his walk rate is right in line with what he's done in his career. Fair. Right? Fair. It's right in line with that. Yep. So – and, got, a very, and for context, very good walk rate. Three straight years, over 11%. Right, he had fifteen four in the shortened twenty twenty season. Right, fair. so that's that's impressive. That's a fair but point. Even last year, okay. Now a three eleven on base percentage isn't great, obviously, but he hit two ten last year, so he's a hundred points higher fair. in OBP, which is coincidentally almost what he's doing right now. So I just need him to get on base, and then he can then he can steal. The guy had 17 stolen bases in 73 games in 2019. So he's got, now this is ridiculous speed, obviously, but he's had the ability to steal bags in his career. In fact, he had a 56 stolen base year at high A in 2013. He had a 40 stolen base year in 2014 at double A in 2014 for Toronto. In 2017, there was, you know, he went over 23 at AAA. So he's had the ability to steal bags for his entire career. So how are you manipulating owners here? If you're buying, right, you're going to a John Birdie owner, 
what is your selling point? Because if you're buying, you have to sell, you have to sell why there's, you're trying to sell, I guess you're trying to sell a regression, right? Because if you're buying, who the hell is going to So here's my question. Would you take Martin Perez for John Birdie? Would I take Martin Perez for John Birdie? I mean, they're the same player, but one's on right? the mound and one's, I guess. I mean, they're I've also, hot streaks, and then the uh, question is, which one's going to cool off first? I guess we thought Martin Perez was going to do it against the White Sox, and then, but the White Sox also ranked number one in OPS against lefties, and then two straight starts of like one earned run or less for Martin Perez. Um, right, like that actually seems that actually seems like pretty good value, but like it is the question of like who's going to regress first. But that's the selling point. That is the selling point. Is you're selling a guy who's really hot, and I'm selling a guy who's really hot, not in looks, just on the field. <laughs> and I'm sure there's somebody their cup of tea. You're also, like by the way, getting positional upside from John Birdie because the guy's Fair. played like a bunch of places, and yeah, Yahoo just, will count him as everything but a pitcher. Yeah, like. He's- He's played, I just saw that. He's played, uh, what was the official number of games that he's played? He's played, I think, 43. Uh, I was trying to see what the uh, breakdown of positions. He's played nine games at second, 23 games at third, five games at short, and then he's played six games in the outfield. Seven, yeah, seven in the outfield, something like that. So if you're in a league that only needs five games played at a position to count, which there's a fair number of those leagues, yep. he qualifies at second, he qualifies at third, he qualifies oh at God. short, and he qualifies at outfield, which, by the way, also gets you corner and middle. I'm trading Fernando Tatis for John Birdie. That's it. <laughs> when he's back, I'm trading, I'm trading Tatis for Birdie when Tatis is back. That's it. Uh, no, not really, but like. You're selling me. Hey, you sold me. You sold me. I'm buying John Barry too. Um, we're buying. We're buying. We're all in. We're buying. We're buying. Um, all right. Let's move on to our next. Um, that's a good one. Let's move on to our levels of concern segment. This is a segment I think that everyone can get behind just because um, these are all names that we're all drafted. They're all high, highly regarded at their position. Um, we got two on the mound tonight. We got one behind the dish who also can play in the outfield a little bit. And that will start in Arizona um, with Dalton Varsho, who I think um, really burst onto the scene last year um, in just, you know, kind of an ex- kind of got an extended look at him later in the year. Um, 95 games, 11 home runs, six stolen bases, 437 slug was great to see. Um, and you just don't see catcher outfield eligibility. Like, that's just not something you see. Um, so the allure was there for Dalton Varsho, um, the power with speed leading off, um, multi-position eligibility. And it got off, he got off to a good start. Um, and he does have 10 home runs on the year. And again, you have catcher eligibility, like, that's pretty good. You know, I, I can probably only name yep. a handful of catchers. There's probably only a handful of catchers in baseball right now with 10 home runs. The problem, Dalton Varsho, Matt, is his June is uh, his June slash line, 
193, 221, 313. There has been no power. Um, there's been no anything. So uh, 1 through 10, 10 being um, absolutely on fire, like sell the farm, um, we're moving to Canada. Uh, what's your level of concern with Dalton Varsho? Um, I would probably put it about a 5, maybe. I'm not all that concerned about it. I think he's been more of a guy who has kind of gone how the Diamondbacks offense have gone, right? Right. We were recording this about a month and a half ago, and the NL West was the only division in baseball with everybody over 500, right? And then, like, within six days of us recording that podcast, the Diamondbacks (laughs) fell off a cliff and just could not win the game. And, by the way... um, To answer your question as to how many catchers have 10 home runs, if you look at uh, catchers with at least 50 plate appearances, Dalton Varsho ranks 7th with 10 home runs, tied with Jonah Heim and Travis Darno and Alejandro Kirk. Then you have Salvi Perez at 11, Will Smith at 11, and Contreras at 12. So. And, and, uh, and Salvi's hurt and like, right. Uh, Contreras is going to get traded in like right. three weeks. There is just not um, a lot. Of, there is not a lot of names. So I'm that. not that. I'm not that concerned with Varsho. The skill set is there. Uh, he's going to be. I mean, look, he's catcher outfield eligibility. That's all we got to say. I think the last right. guy to have that might have been Craig Biggio, maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah. The strikeout rate is still is still pretty good there for Varsho. The BABIP is higher than his batting average, so he's getting a little unlucky. The Woba, the Woba is still pretty good at 314. The X-Woba is at 327. So um, I'm not that concerned. Uh, we may be a little more concerned with this next guy, and it might just be a whole team thing. We're a little concerned with the Chicago White Sox in general. Um, yep. But Luke, Lucas Giolito... Has not been Lucas Giolito. I don't know who's in Lucas Giolito's body right now, but it's not Lucas Giolito. Um, he has not pitched well. And as I say that, though, Matt, <laughs> you know, uh, five innings, two earned runs, five strikeouts. That is actually the best start he has had in... Maybe all year? <laughs> since... Uh, Let's see, May 25th. Um, okay, so I'm And on. that is actually an entire month. Um, the starts prior, seven earned against Toronto, eight earned against Houston, uh, four earned against Texas. By the way, those two other starts, Houston, Toronto, three strikeouts apiece in those starts. Great. He then uh, struck out only three Rays uh, in the midst of the Rays' struggles because they have not been good offensively. Um, for yeah, they, quite they a while. lead the world in strikeouts. Yeah, so and that's not great. And then six earned against the Blue Jays again. So, what is your level um, of concern with Giolito? Obviously, pitching better this evening. Um, when this comes out, we'll have the final line. Uh, you'll you'll know you guys will know the final line of Giolito. But eighty pitches through five um, against the Angels, and we know right now the Angels' offense is literally four guys it's the top four of their lineup and then everyone else is probably not like on most mlb teams um probably not probably not so what is your level of concern uh 
it seems like we're probably going to both be a little more concerned with Giolito than we were with Varshow. Yeah, I'm up at about a seven and a half with Giolito. Ooh, that's 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 spicy. Yeah, he just look. The main thing he was going to be an inning seater and a massive strikeout guy. The ratios were going to be kind of dependent on the defense he got behind him, right? Which was always kind of going to be a little sketchy. So it's not so much the ratios. It's those suck, but then he's also not striking guys out. He's also not pitching efficiently, right? Like 80 pitches through five against, you know, it's, it's not great. A top-heavy lineup. Again, you are getting through Trout, Otani, Ward, Walsh. And if you get through that four, they don't have anybody after them. Not not really. Not really, no. Um, <laughs> so, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty concerned. It seems like their pitching coach hire from last year, Ethan Katz, has worked wonders for Dylan Cease. Right. Um, which is what he was expected to do, but it seems like he's had a little bit of a negative effect on Lucas Giolito, who last year was looking like, dang, the Nats made an absolute mistake to trade Lucas Giolito. And now this year it's like, Hey, y'all can take him. I'm (laughs) I'm fine with not having Lucas Giolito. So yeah, I'm into seven and a half. Yeah. I mean, if you look at things like the fastball velocity is a little down, um, but man, like he's, inducing so many swings and misses like way more than he has been in the last few seasons um it just makes you it just makes you think like what like it just makes you appreciate i guess guys that are just that good year in year out um when you see someone this talented huh do you think it has to do with the catcher i mean it could um i also think mixing Maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe. I also, like, will say, like, and why I think I'm a little less worried, and we see this from year to year, where guys are just unlucky, dude. Like, when you look at some of his numbers behind the scenes, um, he has a 540 ERA, and the expected ERA is 520. Um, but then you look at the XFIP. X, his FIP is 508. His XFIP is 370. Like, that's a full run lower than his FIP. Um, The home runs are a concern. He's obviously, there's way too many home runs. The walks are up. But the strikeouts, yes, they've been down lately, but they weren't uh, until late, like recently. Like, they were on par, if not better, than last year to begin the season. So something has happened. And I do think you might be right. Like, that could be a catcher thing. Um but also, um, so I'm I'm more mild than you. I, I'd probably be I'd be somewhere in probably the mid fives if if I was putting a number on my um, concern because he has looked better against you know he's gonna get through six innings against the the Angels tonight hopefully. So um, let's finish it off uh, this segment with uh, another pitcher and someone that I think you and I are kind of feel a little different about. Um, cause when I mentioned his name, you definitely weren't as high on Tarek Skubal as I have been this year specifically. Um, and I think it's because, and your assessment wasn't wrong. Like he hasn't been great. <laughs> like it's in his two years in the majors, but he had been great this year. 
um, until he wasn't. And his last few starts have not been good. Uh, four straight starts with at least three earned runs. Three straight starts with four or more. Six to Boston. Five against the Rangers. Four against the Blue Jays. Three against the Pirates. So, like, two of those offenses shouldn't really be hitting them up. Um, but the strikeouts have also been down, Matt. Five, four, five, last three games for Tarek Skubal. Um, after, you know, a, a rocking start, has three starts with nine strikeouts, has a start with 11 this year. Uh, what's your level of concern with Tarek Skubal, and will he go back to the May version of uh, what he was pitching like? So this one for me is probably the toughest of the three. Right. right. Like we all saw his nasty. Yeah. Yeah. We, we all saw his nasty stuff in the minor leagues, right. like on those, those Twitter videos, like, Oh, Hey, watch I'm doing 102 <laughs> and it moves like 97 feet across the plate. Right. <laughs> right. Um, that just doesn't seem to, for some reason, his pitches have been a lot flatter and, and, and more hittable recently. And I don't know if, the fact that the Tigers' offense has sucked in the last month and a half, and he's trying to be too perfect, and then that leads to getting hit or you try to nibble, and you then wind up in, like, full-count situations and you give up walks and, you know, then you're not pitching effectively. There's a lot to process here. My concern, I guess... Guess I'll be right about. Guess a little bit less than Giolito. Um, because I think that they can figure it out. Like AJ right. Hinch is a little bit of a pitching whisper, right? Yep. Former catcher knows how to get the good, how to get the best. Look at what he did with the guys in Houston. I'm not talking about the trash cans. I'm talking about the pitching. <laughs> They went to Houston and they got better with spin rate and they got better at controlling spin. Right. And if you want to watch a really fascinating video, there's a YouTube channel called Foolish Baseball. And one of the more recent videos up there is about Corbin Burns and how he turned in from just a terrible relief pitcher into one of the top starters in the league because right. he now uses effective spin instead of just spin rate effective spin so it might be a pitch mix thing for him it might be that he's nibbling a little bit but look the as, as a prospect he had the stuff to be a number two starter i think they can unlock that that's why i'm a little less concerned with him than i am with lucas giolito at this point okay i i tend to agree um but i'm also a school fanboy so uh, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, and, and look, he's a lefty, so they're going to give him as long as it takes right. to figure this out. Because if you're a lefty pitcher in baseball, you can pitch until your arm literally falls off. <laughs> like, I'm a lefty. I throw probably 78 miles an hour. I could go out there and get a job right now and be like freaking Rich Hill. <laughs> I mean, he is... He has really hung Dude's around like for a long time. Three years old and is making like millions because he can throw a ball that goes up <laughs> and down. Um, let's head to the prediction of the week where uh, Matt and Colby, let's just say, um, 
We let's were not just, good. Let's just we say were... we have new predictions this week for Matt. From Matt, I was like a, I was like a jinx <laughs> for the Angels last week because I said they'd be within five games. I think they finished like eleven games they, behind. They, so they, it, was, it was not good. They doubled it up just the wrong way. Um, Colby yes. also went with a big O'Neill Cruz week. He did have a good week. Uh, just no home runs. Did finally Until hit his first home run. On uh, Monday night, so shout out to him. By the way, I want to say with a squeaker over the right center field. You know what, Matt, Matt, I'm telling you, from someone who has one career home run and it was a squeaker over the right field wall, a home run is a gosh dang home run, okay? Uh, I don't hey care. Man, my home run never left the park. I just kept running until they, tag, until they didn't tag me out. <laughs> until they didn't tag you, right. Um, well, we'll we can read Colby's prediction. He did put one in for uh, this week from all the way from Italy. Good guy. Sent his carrier pigeon to Matt. Um, Matt opened it up. It said Zach Wheeler, 20 strikeouts this week. He has Atlanta, who is striking out so, so much. Their offense is very potent um, and very scary. There is no Acuna potentially here for Wheeler, uh, but very, very strikeout heavy offense. And the St. Louis Cardinals, so 20-plus strikeouts for Zach Wheeler from Colby. Matt, what do you got here? Uh, I'm going to return back to a guy that, that has stolen like 9,000 bags in the last three days. Um, and that would be John Birdie. I'm saying he's going to steal three bases. Maybe tomorrow. Week. Maybe just tomorrow. He might just steal three on, on Tuesday. Um, if he's still not, I'm like, just, I just expect at this point. Like, I expect my phone to look at my phone at the stolen base uh, notification that says John Birdie. And, it'll, and then it says two today. And then it'll say three today. Uh, you might get that too. That prediction might come. So, so here's my question: How long until they intentionally walk the two guys behind Birdie, so he's just on third base, so they they have to hit him in instead of stealing? Uh, well, bags to... I was gonna say if uh, if this was like a couple years ago, he might just steal on the intentional walk. If they're still have if they still had to throw it, he might just steal while they're delivering the pitch but um, or you could just play the white Sox and let tony larusa screw up a count and then intentionally walk people in a one-two count true agreed get two outs agreed definitely don't uh yeah that's tony larusa uh in a nutshell this year pretty much why we said the white Sox are a disaster um yep. my uh prediction will be riley green hits his first big league um there you go I, we were looking at the matchups not the best matchups has rodon tomorrow not the in San Fran, but you know what? We don't care. Uh, Alex Wood, after that, he's been bad. Uh, lefty lefty don't care. Riley Green going yard. Um, Matt, any uh, any parting thoughts for the uh, the wonderful people at home other than um, your condolences to anyone that played George Kirby uh, in season long leagues this week because he has given up five home runs to the Orioles? Yeah, they went back to back multiple times. <laughs> Yeah, so we're we're sorry to all those George Kirby owners out there. Uh, I mean, control is great, but when you control it in the middle of the zone, that's <laughs> not that's the the last one that I saw his curveball forgot to curve. Yeah, uh, uh, the Orioles offense and the uh, Athletics offense are slightly different. Uh, yeah, uh, it's oh, that's great. I'm sorry, I'm on Twitter and somebody just tweeted the. Uh, they replaced the dog sitting in the room on fire with the picture of Kirby, the the cartoon Ooh, character. That is t- oh, that's tough. 
That's a you know what? That's yeah. a perfect that's a perfect parting gift. Uh, maybe we'll even make it like the cover of the podcast. That would be that would be good. Not really, but maybe we could drop it in the in the uh, in the comments there, so everyone can see what Matt's uh, what Matt's referring to. Um, yeah. But Matt, big big shout out to you. Big shout out to Colby. Maybe stop eating spaghetti and come home for once, and uh, you know, see him. We'll see. I'm just kidding. He's been on the podcast more than me lately. I think. Um, but yeah, big shout out to Matt. And uh, again, go make sure you guys check out all of his stuff at fantasyalarm.com and dfsalarm.com. Um, check out his prospect report um, on Kansas City's new first baseman. And as he mentioned, he will have his full prospect report. Uh, will the prospect report be out next week, though? No, right? Or, or are we skipping a week? Yes. It will, even on vacation. Matt is just I'm gonna so write it on the de- oh the dedication this guy shows. I mean, if you're not, hey, ready man, I'm still I'm gonna get up at like six a.m. and go watch F1 too because there's F1 races. And this guy isn't just covering F1. So I mean, go follow Matt at the cells, man. Like, there's no reason you're not following all this man's work. Um, if you do want to follow me too, that's cool. At the underscore real underscore grande. I know much much more annoying to follow me, but um. Again, big shout out to Matt, big shout out to Colby and uh, all you guys at FA Nation. We'll catch you guys later.